My name is Rachel Jackson, and I'll be reading from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, beginning at verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'd like to start out with a question for you. And if you're watching online, I want you to entertain this as well and think through this and even talk about it with who you're sitting with. If you're sitting with somebody watching, but I'd like you to begin asking each of you this question. Do you need God? <laughs> Do you need God? Uh, first service, there's this kind of collective, oh yeah, you know, do you need God? Now, if your first response is going to go, you know, we're sitting in church, that's easy, the answer is yes. All right, I get it. Now, I want to press you, I want to press you though, and say, really, do you need God? Um, like when, and how, and what times in your life do you feel like, man, I need him? You say, well, you know, I, I mean, the bills are coming. I need God. Okay. Your marriage, or you're going to take a test on Monday, or, or the doctor's report, or they always say that everybody believes in God in a foxhole, you know, in the foxhole, or I don't know, atheists, you know, you've heard that, that, that phrase, I, I, I'm sure. So, do you need God? When? And how badly do you need him? You say, well, you know, I, I can sure use his help now and then, you know, with this, with that. Okay. Or are you more desperate? Um, you know, the song we just sang is interesting. Lord, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to you because your love is all I really need and I'm desperate for it. That was a, that was a pretty desperate cry. It was a pretty desperate song saying, I've got to know the love of God of Jesus Christ in my life, or I'm not going to make it. Is, is, that, is that what you mean? Is that, is that where you are with this whole thing about needing? How, how, how often during a day, think back to your typical day, how often during a typical day are you aware of and find yourself saying, listen, Lord, I need you. I need you right now, or I'm going to kill my kid. You know, I mean, I mean, you, what is? Do you need him? Um, 
there's those of you out there, maybe a lot of you, that remember the hymn, the, the I Need Thee Every Hour. All right, raise your hand if you know that song. I Need Thee Every Hour. Really? I need thee every hour. Uh, the chorus, the chorus is pretty powerful. I need thee. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I'm coming to you. That's the chorus of that song. Of all the years I've heard it sung in church since a child, I've never heard it sung with the kind of desperation that the words talk about. The passage that was just read is the conclusion of our study in the book of Ephesians. And um, so, if you're not in chapter 6, I encourage you to turn there. It'll be on page 979 if you want to grab a Bible in the rack in front of you. If you're watching online, you know, pull it up, Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we really could call this part 2. I'm going to tag off of Josh's sermon last week because we opened up this whole topic of spiritual warfare. So I'm tagging off of that, and you could call it part 2, right? Because um, it says in verse 10, Ephesians 6, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Do you realize that the evil one has been scheming against you this week? Did you recognize it? Do you see it? To be aware of it. How did it come at you? For we don't wrestle, it says, against flesh and blood. Demon didn't necessarily come up and pop you in the, you know, in the head or the face. Well, he did pop you in the head, how we think. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You know, we should wake up when Jesus says there is a devil. There is a Satan. There really is. He and his demons. And Jesus calls him the father of lies, and he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy you. So do you understand that, that as so many of us around us and we ourselves, as we pursue what we think is happiness and freedom and living life the way we really meant it, Satan has deceived us into destroying ourselves. He wants to kill you and take you to hell. You go, whoa, that isn't me, that's Jesus. And Paul is picking up on that and saying, we got to be aware of this, right? So this spiritual battle never ceases. Every time somebody takes their own life, I always think of what Jesus said. The evil one seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, what was going on in their thought processes before they took their life. So we're in a spiritual battle all the time. It never ceases. So therefore, our need for God never ceases. And so what Paul's going to say is, man, we're in this war all the time, and we're in the middle of it. It has huge impact on us. So Paul's going to end the whole conversation by saying, so you better be praying. You better be praying. So this past week or two weeks ago, the staff, some of the people on staff 
got me this gift, gave it to me at staff meeting, and it was a hat. And here's the hat, and the hat says, be praying. Because apparently, and I didn't realize it, but apparently... That's what I've been going around saying a lot to these days to the staff and the people and everything. Man, guys, we better be praying. We better be praying. And so, why? Well, we need God, man. Do you need God? How bad do you need God? Prayer, someone says, is this. It's verbal dependence on God. It's a humble acknowledgement. It's a cry, I need you. You want to know how much you need God really? How much are you crying out to Him? How much are you praying to Him? You know, it's interesting. We, 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 we want to make this a place where you can come and pray all the time. You know, if you see somebody praying with somebody else in the hallway or down front after a service or something, what do you think? You say, wow, man, they really got some needs. Oh, really? Like, you don't. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm down here. You, you want to pray with me? I'll pray. Yeah, you can pray for me too. You're right. We need God. It's verbal dependence on Him. Paul Miller, in a great book, I, I could highly recommend it, called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Um, he, he says this about prayer. He says, a needy heart, a needy heart is a praying heart. Dependency is the heartbeat of prayer. Do you need God? Um, it will be reflected. See, see, it, it, this is the beauty of prayer and, and why it, it's so a great thing to talk about. See, I could, have, I could have sent you all on a guilt trip by starting the sermon like this. We're going to talk about prayer today. And how many of you pray? How many of you feel like you pray all you ought to? Well, nobody would raise their hand. You go, gee whiz, we're talking about prayer, and I, I'm horrible at this. But, but no, no, the, the, see, that's the evil one <laughs> trying to, try to mess with your head and send you on all these crazy guilt trips. Instead, ask the question, do you need God? Guess what? He, he knows this, and he wants to meet you at this place, and this is what prayer's for, see? When Jesus says, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and apart from me, you can do nothing. What he's doing is he's inviting us into a life of prayer with the Father. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. Paul Miller says this, if you are not praying, then you are quietly confident that time and money and talent are all you need in life. Right? Why, why you know, you know, well, we should pray. Has it come to that? We run out of all, all other options? <laughs> right, right, right. So, so it is, God's like, no, this is it. So Paul closes his letter, Paul's closing comments to these real people in Ephesus. These are real people sitting in a real church, just like you, all right, facing the real spiritual battle. And Paul says, listen, my closing comments are this. If you're going to survive, you better be praying. John MacArthur, he says it this way. He says, victory over Satan and his hosts in the great spiritual warfare in which we are engaged demands unceasing and diligent commitment to prayer. So this is what Paul's called, calling us to. He says, you better be 
praying. So let's unpack it. I'm just going to spend our time in one verse mainly. It's verse 18. It's his closing thing. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So here's the message. If you get this, you get it. Uh, We need to be, it's a call of Paul to be praying at all times with all perseverance for all the saints. There you go. So, praying at all times. In the Spirit, he says, with all prayer and supplication. First Thessalonians 5.17, I know it's familiar to many of you people, that says, pray without ceasing. And that does not mean that you always have your hands folded and your eyes closed in prayer. Please don't do that when you're driving. Uh, but when, so what does it mean, be praying at all times, be praying all seasons? This is what's been helpful to me. It's, it's, it's understanding that you have a constant awareness of the presence of God in your life. He really is with you, and He wants to be a part of your thoughts and conversations in your life. And so, so prayer is this constant awareness of His presence. He's always in conversation. He's always there when I'm in conversation with somebody else. And that prayer is acknowledging that and bringing Him in and always having Him be a part of your life and conversations. David Paulson puts, puts it this way, and I like this. This is on the screen, I think. David Paulson said, prayer is meant to be, watch this, the conversation where your life and your God meet. I like that. Prayer is this running conversation where your life and God meet. I, he's with you. God says, I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so it's just awareness of this in a really living conversation and relationship with him. So the medieval monk, his name was Brother Lawrence, became famous. There's a collection of his, some writings and some things he sent back and forth to some friends. There's a small little paperback, and it's called um, Practicing the Practice of the Presence of God written by this medieval monk. Now, he's a monk. You say, well, they just sat around with their eyes closed and their hands. No, no, no. He's a monk. They would have designated prayer times, but then they would also, he worked in the kitchen. And so, he'd peel potatoes and whatever he's doing in the kitchen. Listen to what he says in this. The time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees. That's a powerful statement. Moms, can you, how'd you like this? You know, praying at all times. Prayer is, is, is this huge gift and blessing you have. You know, I thought of moms. You know, when, when you're the clatter of your kitchen and several persons are at the same time calling for different things, you know, you know Jesus, thank you that I have you because otherwise I would kill them all right now, right? So you, you just, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. As a boy in church, I remember us singing the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer, Sweet Hour of Prayer that bids me from this world of care. And I'll be honest, as a boy, I sang that, I thought, an hour praying? There's no way. I'd run out of things to say in five minutes. How in the world do people spend an hour in prayer? And then I fell in love with Holly. 
and we could talk for hours. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh. Prayer is the conversation where my life and God meet. Why? I, I, I could talk for hours about these things, right? This is prayer. Praying at all times. It's a beautiful thing. You know, you can sit down. If you ever, you ever really been wrestling through a thing, a decision, or, or you're really stressed out and wondering how you're going to navigate your life, you get together with a friend over lunch or breakfast or something, and you're going, man, I'm so glad. Thank you. It's a safe place to talk to them. Be real about the whole thing. So you sit there, and the hour goes by like that right? Okay. If you're stressed out and all kinds of things going on in your life and you're confused, take your Bible, open it up to the Psalms and sit there and pour your heart out to God and then read some of the Psalms and then pour your heart, tell them what's on your, and then read some Psalms and do that and see if an hour doesn't go by like that. Praying at all times. Why? Because we need Him. We, we need God. Picture prayer as God asking you, tell me everything that you're stressed out about. Tell me everything you're worried about, and I will sit here as long as you talk, and I promise to never check my phone while you're talking. Do you know anybody else on the planet that will give you that kind of undivided attention and care? No. Prayer is this beautiful thing that we have access to as believers. That's what Philippians 4, 6 says. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Praying at all times, Paul says, in the Spirit. That means that the Spirit leads you, the Spirit can speak to you through the Word, so you're opening up the Word, and you're praying. It's conversation. You're talking to God. God's speaking to you through the Word. The Spirit of God can speak to you, can speak encouragement, hope, wisdom, lots of things. And so the, just pray at all times in the Spirit. The Spirit will bring people to mind to pray for. I, I had a crazy experience this morning. I got up, and I'm thinking about all kinds of things related to Sunday morning. For some reason, I thought about another pastor who lives in the area. And so I texted him and said, hey, just want you know I'm praying for you this morning. For some reason, the Lord put, put you on my heart. He texts back and says, thank you. I'm sick this morning. <laughs> so, so it's like, wow, okay, that's cool. You know, it brings people to mind. He'll help you to know how to pray. You know, there's times... Um, there's times, get, get this, you talk about the, pow the power of prayer, the unique thing, praying in the Spirit, all right? Sometimes you see somebody and you really want to help them, and you don't know how to help them. Sometimes you see somebody in a situation, and, and, and you know how to help them, you want to help them, and guess what? They don't want your help. They don't want your help. You're the last person they want to see. So, so how can I navigate all that? How can I navigate it when I really don't know how to help? How can I navigate it when I think I want to know how, but they don't want my help? How are you supposed to do all that? Guess what? Prayer. Prayer can shoot an arrow right into their heart. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Well, I, how, how do I do? Well, Romans tells us this. Romans says this. This is a great passage about prayer, Romans 8. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. 
But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. See, what will happen? You get into prayer and you go, man, God, I'm coming to you in prayer and I question my motives for this. Why am I praying for this? What are my motives? And you go, Lord, I know there's some good in me because I know you put your love in my heart for these people in this situation. And I really do want to see you get the glory. But I also understand, I'd like a little glory too. You mess up. Okay, I'm selfish. I'm whatever. So, so how, do you do, how do you handle all that? You just shut down your prayer? You know, you, know, you pray in the Spirit. Say, God, I'm coming to you. And guess what? The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit says, what Dan really wants to say from his heart of hearts is this. <sighs> and this this amazing. You say, wow, we get to do this? Yeah, come on in. Paul says, come on in. Be praying. This is a beautiful thing. You know, when you're in spiritual warfare, when you're on the battlefield, talk to anybody that's been in in the battle, um, in any kind of warfare, when communication lines are cut off, you're in big trouble. And see, the evil one knows this. And if he can, with a believer, cut off the communication lines between you and the Lord of the universe, he knows you're in trouble. So Paul said, man, man be, be praying, be praying. Now, if you wonder about this, sometimes people say, well, well, watch how Jesus prayed. Apparently, Jesus was very dependent on the Father. Watch how Jesus prayed. And if Jesus was dependent on the Father, and if Jesus prayed, how much more do we need God in this? Now, what you get in church circles is people come along after a while, they go, well, let's talk about prayer. You know, they go, you know, wait a second, if God already knows everything we're thinking, and then why are we telling him this in prayer? Because he already knows these things, and God is sovereign and providential over all things anyway, so do our prayers really matter? Why pray at all? Those are interesting conversations, and they're also very silly conversations, because um, Jesus knew all of that, and he thought prayer mattered. In other words, Jesus didn't say in the Lord's Prayer, here's how you to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know everything I'm going to ask you for, and you've decided what you're going to do anyway. Amen. That's not how Jesus told us to pray. So, interesting ideas to wrestle with, but at the end of the day, humble yourself. It matters. Trust God. The early church understood this. The early church saw incredible growth, so many people getting saved, and living courageously despite persecution. You go, wow, what's the secret to this church? Well, Acts 2.42 tells us they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There was a passionate devotion to the Word of God. We've got to know the Word of God. And there's also a, a devotion to the fellowship. We've got to be devoted to each other, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Praying at all times, Paul says. Pray at all times with all perseverance. With all perseverance. That means you just don't give up. Right? Verse 18 says, all prayer, supplication to that end, keep alert with all 
perseverance. Jesus taught about prayer and Many of the, 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 the parables, the stories he told about prayer in Luke 18.1 says, he did this so that we would always pray and not give up. So Jesus knows that we have trouble persevering in prayer. It's the idea of a tenacity, a tenacity that says to God, you told me I could ask, and so I'm coming. God didn't say, well, you know, I'm going to give you three wishes a day. God says, no, ask, ask me, ask me, anything, anytime. He says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be open unto you. It's the idea of keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. So somebody who prays with all perseverance unashamedly comes and said, God, you told me I could ask, you told me. I could seek you. You told me I could knock. I'm pounding on the door, and God's never somebody that says back to you, will you quit texting me? God's never somebody that says, you've already asked me that five times today. God never says that. See, perseverance is very rare for American Christians especially. You know why? Because as American Christians in the culture we've grown up in, when we don't get the answer that we want, when we want it, we tend to move on to other means to get what we want when we want it. Well, Lord, I asked him to provide, and he didn't, so I just got to have to go get it myself. I wanted a man, and I prayed last week that God would, he'd show up, and he didn't, so I'm going to go get me one. Whoa, 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 time out, time out. I told God I needed to have that job, to do this, whatever, and if he didn't provide, then I'd just go figure it out my own way. Whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out, time out. Sometimes our prayer life weakens, we give up because we get, you know, bored with our own prayers. Um, a, a guy named Donald Whitney wrote a, wrote a great little book called Praying the Bible. It's just tremendous how... You say, you don't know what to pray for. How, you know, he, he shows you how you can, there's prayers all over the Bible and how you can pray the Bible, how it just expands your prayer life. It's a great, a great little book. He says, you know, we, we have to admit sometimes we get bored praying. Sometimes it's because prayer lists, which are really good, prayer lists are very helpful tools. But what can happen is you can find yourself in your prayer life, you just pull out and you recite through the list all the time. And you kind of get... You know, Donald Whitney says we get bored with our prayers because we say the same old things about the same old things. And then he says we can be talking to the most fascinating person in the universe about the most important things in our lives and be bored to death. And you go, wow, how did that happen? We forget that this is a very real live conversation with the God of the universe. So let's talk to him. You know, and so, you know, so with, with all persons, we can get bored. Um, sometimes we, we, we just don't feel like praying. Spurgeon, um, Whitney quotes Spurgeon, and Josh is always quoting Spurgeon, so I guess I can quote Spurgeon, right? All right, Char Charles Spurgeon, here's what he says when you don't feel like it, talking about feeling like praying. We should pray when we are in a praying mood, for it would be sinful to neglect so fair an opportunity 
And then we should pray when we are not in the proper mood, for it would be dangerous to remain in so unhealthy a condition. So pray, pray. When you get weak, when you get tired, you know, people get tired, you get weak, and you get discouraged. What do we typically tell ourselves and other people say? Pull up your bootstraps. No, don't pull up your bootstraps. Get on your knees. Get on your knees. I love Psalm 116. Pray with all perseverance. Psalm 116 says, man, I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because He has inclined His ear to me, I will call on Him as long as I live. There's the heart of praying at all times with all perseverance. He's listening to me. I'm going to pour out my heart as long as I live. You know, a disciplined football team, when they know they have the right game plan, they stick with it. Despite what's happening, stick with the game plan. We're going to run them into the ground. The fourth quarter, we're going to come out, right? Right? Ohio State always has the right game plan against Michigan. It drives me crazy, all right? And they stick with it. Look at, we got to stick with the game plan that God gives us for winning the spiritual battle. And he says, pray at all times with all perseverance. Stick to the game plan. Paul Miller, again, talking about our death. Do you need God? It'll be reflected in our prayer life. He says that Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, he told stories of weak people, not strong people. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he's told stories about weak people who know they couldn't do life on their own. The persistent widow and the friend at midnight, they get access not because they are strong, but because they are desperate. Learned desperation is at the heart of a praying life. Isn't that beautiful? See, the evil one got, got us all twisted around with this thing. I want you to raise your hand if this is the case. And you can raise your hand if you're watching online and we'll, we'll, we'll see you. God sees you, right? Um, I want you to raise your hand if you have prayed for a certain situation or a person for over 10 years before God kind of intervened and you saw him move. All right, I'm going to ask the question again. I want you to raise your hand. Tell me, if you have prayed for a certain person in a certain situation for over 10 years and before you saw God move and change and move in the situation, I want, I want you to raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, I know some of you. Uh, keep them up. Keep those hands up, all right? If you want to know what praying with all perseverance is, talk to those people. Talk to those people. All right, lastly, praying at all times with all perseverance for all the saints. Man, you go, what? Yeah. All of a sudden, sweet hour of prayer becomes, well, I could spend all it. Yeah, right. Pray for, at all times, with all perseverance, for all the saints. Are people on your prayer list? Are people dominating your prayer list? Are you always bringing people to God? 
Are you, when you think about them, when you think about them and, and the problems they have and everything else, is your first, you know, this is very freeing, right? Here's what stresses us out and overwhelms us, you know, and I'm preaching to myself, okay? Uh, so I'm preaching to myself while I'm preaching to you on this one, all right? I see all kinds of things at church, and it can quickly get overwhelming to me. All the things that aren't happening in the people's lives and this and this, it can quickly be overwhelming. Unless I do this first, the first thing I do is pray. I have to pray. Because the first thing you do is try and figure out how you're going to fix it, or how you're going to help them, or how you're going to organize this, or how you're going to leave this. Guess what? You're just going to get overwhelmed. So, so bring it and say, God, you got to help us, man. You got to save these people. These people need to get disciple. We, they, I pray that you'll transform their lives. I pray, God, please, please reach these people. Please help them. Right? Pray for all the saints. How do you pray? Well, that they stand firm in the spiritual battle. That's the whole context here. How does that happen? Well, Paul gives us sample prayers that we can pray for all the saints. You say, how do I pray for all the saints? Well, Paul gives us two sample prayers that are just so powerful in Ephesians. We study them in Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse 15. It goes through. He, he prayed that the Father of all glory would give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you could know God better and the hope that you have. That's a huge thing. If you want to know how to pray for all the saints, they pray, Lord, they've got to know you better. They've got to understand your power and your grace and your forgiveness and their identity in you. They're in Christ. What all that means and the hope that they have. They have to know that you're big enough that you can walk all things together for their good. God, they've got to know you better. Pray that into the hearts and lives of people and the saints. And then in Paul, in, 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 verse, in chapter 3, he talks about that God's Spirit would strengthen them in their inner being. God, I pray that you would strengthen them through your Spirit in their inner being so that they would know and grasp the height and depth and breadth of God's love for them. People need to know they're loved by God and they love God because otherwise they're chasing it everywhere else. When um, Tim Keller, it was interesting, Tim Keller is commenting on Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, and he talks about how Paul prayed for other Christians, for the sense. Listen to what he says. Paul sees that this fuller knowledge of God, to know Him and His love and that Christ be settled at home in our hearts. Paul sees this fuller knowledge of God as a more critical thing to receive than a change in circumstances. So, the Apostle Paul's like, okay, what do I pray? They win the lottery, and they get healed of their diseases, or do I pray that they know God better and have a fuller grasp of His love and the fullness that they have in Him? Now, it's nothing wrong with praying they get healed and, and they, they win a bunch of money. I mean, you know, whatever. But, but hear what Keller says and what Paul prays. He sees the fuller knowledge of God as a more critical thing to receive than a change of circumstances. Without this powerful sense of God's reality, good circumstances can lead to overconfidence and spiritual indifference. I mean, who needs God when life's going so well, right? right? Do you need God? Well, to be honest, things are going really well. 
Then again, he says, without this enlightened heart of us knowing God and the preciousness of this relationship with him, then bad experiences can lead to discouragement and despair because the love of God would be an abstraction rather than the infinitely consoling presence that it should be. Right? What happens? So many times Christians go through this horrible thing. God must hate me. God must be punished. God must be, you know, what's God doing in my life, right? So, so Paul's very in tune with all of these things and saying, man, here's how we need to pray. Therefore, Keller says, knowing God better is what we must have above all if we are to face life in any circumstances. Praying for all the saints. During COVID, so you know what happened when COVID hit, here's what I started praying for you. I prayed that they would seek God. I prayed, God, I pray the people of grace would seek you, okay? And soak in the Word of God, that they would seek God and soak in the Word. People go, well, we aren't meeting. We can't meet. I, I know, I know. We, we, it's, com- it's coming, you know, whatever. But what do we do in the meantime? Run around like life's over? No, no, no. Seek God. You got to seek God. Why do I seek God? Soak in His Word. Meet Him in there. You could, you could seek God and soak in His Word while you're sitting in your basement and not leaving. Seek God. Soak in His Word. And then out of that, we would serve others, sing His praises, and spread the gospel. So that's been my prayer for all the saints here at Grace. He would seek God, soak in the Word, serve others, sing His praises, and spread the gospel. You know, Paul told them, he said to the people in Ephesus, by the way, you guys, while you're praying for all the saints, can you put me on your prayer list? Now, does that surprise you that the Apostle Paul was humbly asking these people to pray for him? That's surprising to me. But Paul understood he needed God. He needed these prayers. When you read through the epistles, it's interesting. The phrase comes up over and over again where Paul's saying, hey, I'm banking on your prayers. It is your prayers that are going to, it's your prayers that are going to, okay? He, he, he does this. It's interesting because he humbly knew he needed people to be praying for him too. Verse 19 and 20, he says, And pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. That is such a powerful thing. Do you hear what Paul's saying? See, Paul's in prison. He's awaiting trial. You know why he's in prison? For him spreading the gospel and telling people about Jesus. And he goes into town after town after town, and he gets beat up. He was left to die in one place. He got stoned in another place. He gets beaten with rods. He gets thrown into jail. So Paul's getting beat up everywhere he's going, and the gospel's spreading, and people coming to Christ, and churches established, and now he's in prison. He's awaiting trial, and he goes, could you guys pray for me? Yeah, what, Paul? That as I come into this trial, pray two things. One, I'm going to have an opportunity to speak about Jesus to all these people because this is what I'm on trial for. And I want to tell them about Jesus. But then he says this. He says, please 
pray that I have the courage to open my mouth. Do you hear what Paul's saying? I imagine there were voices in Paul's head. Paul, just shut up, tell him you're a Roman citizen, and get out of town. Paul says, pray that I have opportunity to spread the gospel and that I have the courage to do it. Listen, my friends, if there is ever a prayer that needs to be prayed for all the saints in America today, it's that one. You want to know how to pray for all the saints? Pray that we would pray for opportunities and then have the courage to speak about the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got to. We've got to. Paul asks to pray for. This is huge. Staying alert, it says. Watch out for each other. Pray for all the saints. Keep alert. Watch out for everyone. Who has your back? Who has my back spiritually? I know people who pray for me all the time, and they have my back spiritually. That means everything to me. Who's got your back spiritually? Whose back uh, do you have? Who is it that, that, that they know they're interceding for me, man? Uh, who, who, who's on your list? Whose back do you have? But you're praying for them, man. You're, you're, you're in it. This is huge. This is so, so important, right? Children, children in the cove, children in the canyon, who's praying for them? Who's engaging in the spiritual war going on for the souls of those children? Who's, engage, who's praying for the students here at Grace? These high school students wrestling through everything. You know, Taylor says he's going to be talking to them in coming weeks about the whole uh, homosexual thing and the transgender. Who's praying for the souls and the minds of those students? Who's got their backs? Who's praying for them? All the saints, that that the spiritual warfare, that the schemes of the devil would not take them captive. Who's praying for that? Who's praying for our missionaries? Who's praying for marriages? Who's praying for the ministry leaders? Who's praying for the young people? Who's praying for the old people? You know, people age, and the saints get older. And sometimes people talk about the grouchy old people in the church. How do you get to be, and and thank God that we have very few of them. I'll just say that. You know, people ask me, you got grouchy old people in the church? I go, yeah, but they're in the minority. I mean, that's real, right? I'm thankful for that. Well, how do you pray for grouchy old people? Well, you know why old people are grouchy? Because They've experienced a lifetime of pain, and they've gotten bitter, and they've lost hope, and they've lost their joy in Christ. So what do you do with that? You yell at them? No, you pray for them, man. You love them, and you pray for them. They've lost it. You know, they're they're losing the spiritual battle. Man, we got we got to pray, guys. We got to pray. We got to pray all the way across the board. Tom Julian, I didn't I didn't quote him first hour. I want to make sure I did the second hour. The father of uh, Becky Schwan, he was a missionary in France for a number of years and connected with our church and a part of our group of churches as as a director of our our missions agency called Encompass. And he, writing on the Book of Ephesians and about prayer, he says this. In spiritual warfare, the human powers of physical strength, emotional appeal, and logical persuasion are useless. I'll say it again. 
in spiritual warfare, the human powers, see our battle is not against flesh and blood, the human powers of physical strength, emotional appeal, and logical persuasion are useless. useless. Our enemy is spiritual, so must be our power. Prayer releases a force directly into this world. Why pray? Because our battle is against more than flesh and blood. You know, the life and health of this church depends on us praying for all the saints and for us as staff. You know, we're looking to hire staff, we're understaffed, whatever. You go, okay, what do we do? Pray, pray. Pray not just for the staff and the staffing, but pray for all the saints. You know, you pray for all the saints, it won't matter much about the staff. You guys just take off with this place. Right? Right? I'm thankful for all the grace group prayer lists, the missionaries, the group that meets at 8 in the morning and prays over the whole services for half an hour from 8 to 8.30. The prayer team that meets, they'll meet you anytime Sunday mornings after services. Communion tonight, it's a call to prayer, to commune with Jesus, and we're going to have us pray for all the saints. Come tonight to communion. I want you to raise your hand on this one, and then we're done. The, um, I want you to raise your hand if you have had someone at grace. I want you to raise your hand if you've had someone at grace pray for you, and you knew they prayed for you, and it meant more to you than words could express. All right? Raise your hand. I, okay, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to keep it up that someone at grace pray for you. And you knew they did, and it meant more to you than words can express. Raise your hand. All right. I want you to look around the room and see all the hands up. Don't anybody tell me this is not a praying church. Don't tell me that. Now, do we need God at a greater level and pray more? Well, yeah. But it's not a guilt trip pray more. It's a desperation pray more. Okay? We're praying church. We're alive and surviving because people pray, right? I mean, don't, don't, don't tell me. But it, it drives us to go, oh, God, I need you every hour. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, anytime somebody's told me they pray for me, it means more to me than you can imagine because I need God. I need this. I need him. Someone said the greatest thing you can do for another believer is to pray for them. You know what? True love prays. Think about that. True love prays. It's the best thing you do for him. So the prophet Samuel is winding down his life. He's at the end of his life, and he desperately loved the people. He loved the people of Israel. And he preaches to them. You can read about it in 1 Samuel 12. He preaches to them at the end of his life, and he pleads with them. Now look, you guys wanted a king, and that wasn't God's best choice for you. But listen, here's the deal. You follow the king. You follow God, and the king follows the Lord, and your future is going to be good. If not, you're 
you're, you're going to be in a heap of trouble, all right? Now, that's a Hebrew, really weird paraphrase. But, but um, Samuel's basically saying, look, if you don't follow the Lord, um, you, you've got no hope for the future. And so the people hear this passionate plea from Samuel, who they deeply respected. And you know what the people's response was? The people's response wasn't, forget you, which is the response that came to a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament. The response of the people in 1 Samuel is this, Samuel, please pray for us. Because see, when the people understood that if they were going to follow God and the culture they lived in, they would never make it unless they were being prayed for. And Samuel's response, these famous words, Samuel's response to them was this. He said, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. You know how we'll live and thrive, my friends, at Grace? It's all about praying at all times with all perseverance for all of the saints. So, I'm going to have you close the service this morning in prayer. Now, all you're freaking out. You're going to bring the microphone to me? Nope. Um, I, I, what I want you to do is uh, take a moment in your seat or take all afternoon. We'll be back here at four. So if you're still here, you could just join us, right? But uh, in your seat, I want you to pray. You're going to pray to close the service, not me. I'm going to walk down here and pray. I'll be down here to pray, and so will the prayer team. I want you to pray um, for yourself and pray for some saint that the Lord puts on your heart, some person the Lord puts on your heart, all right? So you're going to close the service in prayer. It'll be your prayer to the Father quietly where you're sitting, all right? And then when you're done, you can head out. You got it? So go ahead. Close the service in prayer.